What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Dr. Demiso A. Josie with the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. This is a special edition podcast. I sit down with Stephen Cox, the owner of Osiris Educational, who puts on the World Education Summit. Um, listen as we talk about the current educational landscape and pedagogy, but more importantly, we sit down and talk about the World Education Summit. So for all you educators out there, make sure you check this particular podcast out. This one here is special, and this is the Empowerment Perspective. looking at one from the uh, the states where someone said you know we spent 40 years on literacy programs and we've hardly moved the needle at all and you're thinking yeah are we actually focusing on the right things right here thing. yes we want all students literate but if we're getting such poor returns on it information technologies or ed tech as we, we call it now 50 years of this kind of revolution eight major kind of shifts in the resolution has it added any value very little we can't find much of an effect size there at all and we've brought in um, in England we call them teaching assistants I guess you'll have uh, kind of this kind of paraprofessionals zero effect size you know it's zero to zero point one effect size and you're thinking why are we pursuing this when we know that there's stuff out there that would really have a high impact All right, welcome to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Dr. Demiso A. Josie, and I have a very, very, very special guest on today. And this is a, a special edition of it. Um, and, you know, it's Saturday morning here, but I'm not going to tell you what time yet it is where this guest is on a Saturday. So we have someone that is dedicated to the educational space, um, just like I am. Um, and I have to be honest, um, I, as you guys know, I do a lot of speaking across the, the country here in the United States, and I, I attend to a lot of conferences, and there's only maybe a handful of them that I'm really, really, really super impressed by. Um, and this one, um, to be honest with you, I didn't think I have any business speaking at this particular uh, um conference and it was a world conference i saw it um uh, i put a proposal together um and i was, didn't expect to hear anything back from the organization i said ah, i'm a little old me here in new jersey is not going to get on this stage and then i get the the correspondence back that i was going to be a presenter at the world education summit um back in 2020 that, that was last year you know 2021 that was last year and um and i started looking at the lineup of the people that was on there and there were some heavy hitters in education that was on there and i started was like why am i in this space and how did i end up here um but then i, I had the opportunity to to present and, and and went well and they had the audacity to invite me back again this year so this is probably one of the best education uh, summits that I have participated in. I believe there's over 50,000 people attend this worldwide, representing 87 countries, 400 speakers, and they have a heavy lineup this year, and it's impressive. And I'm blessed this morning to have the founder of, or one of the founders of this World Education Summit, Mr. Stephen Cox, uh, joining us all the way over from the other side of the pond there. How are you doing this morning, sir? 
I'm all happy, Demisa. It's wonderful to join you guys. And New Jersey, I love New Jersey. The accent. I remember about five, oh no, maybe 10 years ago, I was on a training session over in the States and the um, presenter was from New Jersey. I, I, it's a terrible impression, but he just said, self-esteem, forget it, it's gone. <laughs> I was like, whoa, tell me more. And off he went into this rant and it was like, yeah, the research was all upside down. It was wrong. So I just love traveling across the world and meeting so many great educationists like yourself and finding out what their tale is and where it comes from and where the different perspectives come from. So it's awesome, cool to be awesome. here, really nice. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. This, this is a special um, episode that we have here, but I want to dig into your background a little bit and we're going to lead up into the World Education Summit um, so we're big on the why here at the Empowerment Perspective Group. Um, we want to find out why people get into the spaces that they, they are currently in. So what was it that drew you to education in the first place? Oh, I'm one of these people who, from a family of teachers. Uh, we've got 17 teachers in the family. I met my wife on a teacher training course at Warwick University. And uh, yeah, loved it from the moment we dipped our toe into there. But I, I was one of those weird ones because most teachers, I think, go into education because they really enjoyed education and learning and they felt that they want to replicate the experience and let more people bathe in it. Uh, for me, it was absolutely the opposite. I thought it was a complete waste of my time. <laughs> really hated the whole experience of it and thought I've got to be able to do better than this um, and hopefully yeah we've managed to uh, lift the bar on what's what's happening lift the life chances of children um, yeah I just felt there was so much predetermination within the system as to where people were expected to go mm -hmm. and in, the job of a teacher really is to disrupt those expectations to lift them you know to say that anything's possible and it's about finding what that unique element is in each people um, each person and let them experience that and I just find too many young people today and i'm talking young people 30 30 year olds don't want to go back into education mm -hmm. the jenkins curve what two-thirds of children do not want to be in school from the age of 14 it's like this is quite frightening so i was always interested well why is this the case and what can we do differently in the classroom through the way that we teach to to challenge that and to help find out what what lies in people and then how can we bring that together that's awesome. That's awesome. Definitely. Uh, it sounds like you're very passionate about it. And, and, and yeah, we share similar uh, perspectives when it comes to education in regards to that matter. I want to dig into the Osiris Educationalness, which is your company, and, and talk about, I think it was, uh, I've read 1993, back in the 90s, I, I guess you started this. So what was the light bulb that went off and, and explain what is Osiris? Sure. So uh, it was 1996, actually. Um, <laughs> So not far off, uh, 27 years now at the, <laughs> at the face of education and what could be. Yeah, we just felt that, you know, you can influence so much within a school. And then the natural route is to become a principal uh, district leader. And it's quite a slow kind of uh, movement. And the feeling both myself and my wife shared was, no, let's, let's rip up the rule book here. Mm -hmm. And let's, can we fuse business with pedagogy? because the business side will give us a kind of um, longevity and an ability to fire on cylinders and allow us to stay true to what we believe in. And the pedagogy was very much the part that we were most interested in. You know, what is this thing called learning? And uh, what is, we, we were very familiar with the giving, the, the teaching bit, but what about the receiving bit and how do we get the receivers firing differently? So that's where we were at. And we, we started in a field that we call in England uh, 
personal and social education, mm -hmm. uh, which is obviously much more about the psychology, about what makes you tick mm -hmm. in the wider sense and, and uh, what takes you into those life experiences and those processes and that are going to challenge you in your life and how do you prepare people for it? Mm -hmm. It's funny, one, one of the things my wife always says, when we, we, we've employed loads and loads of people through the time and the, the big thing for us at the end of an interview is, does that person know themselves? And, it, you know, it's kind of really easy to ask people, what do you want to do with your life, particularly young people? What are you supposed to do? And ours was always, no, what are you meant to do? Mm. You know, that, that's a journey into yourself to find out what fires you, what you've been left with, what's your inheritance and what you can leave proudly on this earth when you, you pass to other realms. So, Absolutely. yeah, there you go. So that was what it was about. And that was kind of the mechanics of it. Right. Yeah, that's what we kind of we talk about. And that's why I wanted to leave with the, the question of what's your why? We wanted educators to begin to, to think about why they are in this in the first place. Um, and that also we, we talk to students in the same manner. Like, why are you coming to why do you get up every single day to come to school? And when you really figure out why you're doing it, a lot of them really realize that yeah, I'm, I have to. So my mom and my dad are making me go and there's no real foundation. But once we get them to a point into a space of where it means something internally to them, um, it, it kind of opens up doors. So um, definitely, you know, the, the psychological part of it is a big piece of that we focus on um, as well, which is which is awesome. Um, now, you you offer professional development and, and webinars and things through through this organization, or talk about some of your services. Yeah, sure. So what we do, we started running courses and running uh, day training, uh, as was the want and, and the thing. But what we developed over a period of time was deep programs. Uh, we know. <laughs> You do a one day course or you do a one day teacher training or you've got Teach for America there. And what happens is people just revert back to the way they were doing things. There's no enactment. So the, the whole thing we've been pursuing is, well, how can you deeply change people and change the way they teach? Mm -hmm. So we've been developing programs for that. So as far as I can see, there's only five ways in which you can improve educational outcomes. Number one, access. If you don't give people access, they haven't got access. It's a no brainer. Number two, then we get onto behavior and behaviors. You know, are they turning up for school? Yeah. And are they turning up motivated or things? But the interesting thing is when you look at behavior, there's virtually no correlation between learning outcomes and behaviors. What we get is actually a lot of mimicry, mm. a lot of compliance looking, but it doesn't actually change the way people learn because you're not inside their heads at this point. The third way is curriculum. Great favorite governments all over the world. Let's put a new curriculum in. And <laughs> for me, it's like that was like the high rise blocks that they used to build it looks like you're doing something but in actual fact all you're doing is exacerbating the problem and mm -hmm. it makes it more difficult for teachers because then they've got to shift all the deck chairs and three years later there's no example of a curriculum change anywhere in the world that resulted as an improvement of learning which is mm -hmm. kind of quite fascinating in itself so the fourth one you go is quality of teachers and how do you improve the quality of teachers and to that you've got to break you've got to get inside their model because each teacher teaches differently and so that's what we started developing programs with how can you get inside their head work out what they already know what they're already doing and then work out what does a plus one look like for them so our biggest program is oti um osiris teaching intervention which very much does that takes cohorts of teachers together and we're really proud of that we've had universities crawling over it we get 95 percent of teachers who go through that program increase by a level in their teaching whatever the system's in it doesn't matter which country it's in it always works so that was a really cool one for us and then the fifth area which i think is probably the 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 least explored domain in many ways is this whole area of learning 
Now we know that that has a 0.6 effect size minimum. And this is where you start getting into things like metacognition, self-regulation. You start looking at the efficacy, self-efficacy, but what does collective efficacy of students look like? And this is the other area that we really do an awful lot of work in now. Programs in self-regulation, in metacognition, also uh, visible learning. I don't know if you've come across uh, Professor John Hattie's uh, work. He's a, he's a good friend. So I've been working alongside him for 10 years and it's kind of been a fascinating journey in the journey of what does learning look like and how do you create it in students so they've got it when they leave there you go so that's roughly where we work mainly in teaching and learning how do we improve it and we work at leadership level school level whole across whole districts um but very much on that how do we impact on this not just how do we tell some people some stories it's got to be impactful that's great that's great um great work there um i want to go just a, a, a random question because you said started in 1996 um i want to know well, how did you think the the land educational landscape has changed has it or has it changed from when you first started in 1996 to right now um because uh the conversation i have with a lot of educational leaders everything sort of gets repeated after a while it goes through a cycle and the same things happen have you seen is it is it any different really um obviously outside of the pandemic and everything that we're dealing with right now sure i I think a couple of things have changed. I think teachers are more knowledgeable now than they used to be. I think they used to be able to go in 14, 15 years ago, and there wasn't really a much of a knowledge and a, 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 um, a fact base, if you like, around teaching and the language of teaching. So teachers were allowed to do it any which way they wanted to. Um, whereas nowadays, I think there's, a, you know, certain things are accepted as part of the process. We know that, you know, you're going to have to have spacing. Sequencing is in, important in terms of the way you do knowledge. So I think teachers have cracked onto that. However, uh, the variability remains the major problem in there, not between schools, but within schools, which is, you know, we know this variability between schools because it depends on obviously which um, groups of students you're working with 50% of what the students bring into the uh, classroom is you know that, that that is their outcome and it's what we can affect on that but the variability in how we affect it is quite incredible considering how many years we've spent on this and I mean I was looking at one from the uh, the states where someone said you know we've spent 40 years on literacy programs and we've hardly moved the needle at all and mm -hmm. you're thinking yeah are we actually focusing on the right things right here thing. yes we want all students literate but if we're getting such poor returns on it information technologies or ed tech as we we call it now 50 years of this kind of revolution eight major kind of shifts in the resolution has it added any value very little we can't find much of an effect size there at all right. I and mean, we brought in um, in england we call them teaching assistants i guess mm -hmm. you'll have uh, kind of this kind of paraprofessionals mm -hmm. zero effect size you know it's because zero to zero point one effect size and you're thinking why are we pursuing this when we know that there's stuff out there that would really have a high impact Mm -hmm. But this yeah. is the difficult one, isn't it? Because I, I was told, you know, whenever you meet the Minister of Education, never mention the word pedagogy. <laughs> so, so I kind of, that's a challenge to me. So the next Minister of Education I met, oh, hello, how are you doing? So she said, blah, blah. And I just went, pedagogy. She, <laughs> she stepped two steps back straight away and tried to get away from me as quickly as possible. You know, talk to her about behaviour or exam scores she could understand it she just didn't understand it and i think that's what we've had too much of perhaps in education um and that's maybe why the cycles just kind of keep replicating it's a lack of kind of an in-depth understanding of what what means and, and what can really make a difference and it's into that learning element and that's not what people remember from when they were at school because that was what was going on behind the scenes if you like inside their minds rather than sure. right out the front 
So let's dig into the world education some, uh, for our audience out there who are made up mainly of educators. Like, like I said in the opening, this is probably one of the better uh, conferences slash summits that I have been a part of. Um, let's just talk about the formation of it. Um, when did it start? Why did it start in the first place? I mean, we have all these, these wonderful thought leaders, these wonderful educators across the, the world that are sharing their information with, with educators across the planet. The, the, the communication from uh, the, the networking is, is amazing. I mean, I, I just think that this is one of the, the, the perfect, uh, I guess, conferences that, that exist out there for educators. It's like a one-stop shop for anything in education. So let's talk about that. Well, thanks, Damaso, for saying that. I really appreciate that. Um, so we were, you sit, we're sitting there in a pandemic and going, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? Uh, you can't get face to face. And we know in training how important I always say it's like you've got to see the whites of people's eyes. You know, you want to see all those little nuances in the movement. When you say something like feedback, where does their head go and what, you know, where are the twitches so I can really then bury into it and understand it. And suddenly we're online and you can't get any of that. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. all disappeared. And it's kind of well, what's what's available left and I'd always kind of I'd had a great fascination in uh, festivals music festivals particularly um, and I think you've got things like uh, uh, South by Southwest uh, Cochinilla which are huge huge festivals and I, there's one in England called Glastonbury mm -hmm. and the lineup is so huge on these things that I always know that there's like three stages I want to be at at any one moment to, and I thought wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do the same in education where you can't make your mind up which way to get and go so it was like okay let's get all the people together and then the second bit was okay then well if we're going to get all the people together let's realize that we're using digital here it's not going to be virtual because this isn't you could never do this live i mean right. the bill just for the transport would, <laughs> would be way beyond education's pocket yeah this is more like a you know a, a like demos or something like that where they bring all the world leaders together so it ain't going to happen so how do we make it a, a production and get the production values up so it genuinely becomes a digital event um, and so that was we need to get really good hosts stuff people who know stuff who can bring it alive and really um, interview these people while they're on so they yeah they can give the best but it's kind of getting intersected so it makes very very good viewing and you know for, for educationists it's really good and then get the content the best we possibly can so what we then do is go and interview all the keynotes is to find out what they're doing we don't want them trotting out the usual stuff mm. you know they've got their keynotes we want them right on the edge of where they can go and where they push do so it was great having someone like Dan Willingham last year and it was kind of well Dan Willingham always talks about memory and we were like no we don't want Dan Willingham talking about memory so we're interviewing him and he says well you realize it's not about memory <laughs> what Dan, Dan Williams says it's not about memory what what is it about? it's about self-regulation he says without self-regulation memory doesn't make any difference and I can find at least 13 different hours so it's fantastic get someone like that in there and then we uh, managed to get Sadhguru on last year which um, quite a phenomenal person anyway runs two types of schools mm. himself as well as being a kind of I'd, I'd say a spiritual leader but he's not it's a different type of spiritual it's not a religious spiritual leader but when I quiz him on it he and what's the biggest problem of young people today and you know in the system and he said it's identity and you just go well you unpick that one for me a bit and you think yeah people are wanting to define themselves and he said they don't define themselves as a collective of humanity they're defining themselves as individuals as separate from humanity mm. and that's quite harmful to people because it makes them feel lost as well as you know they think they're 
making themselves feel found, but instead they're using words and intellectualization to come in there. So it was like, you know, how do you get people who are saying these things that are kind yeah. of so wild out and out there and pull them together? But the other bit that I hadn't realized, which was the major bit, was it had never been done before. Not to bring people across the world at education level. Sure, they brought, you know, the academics come together. Sure, the policymakers come together, but the educators in schools don't come together. So we don't have much for sharing of where, you know, where that front edge is. It's all in kind of little compartments. Mm -hmm. So what we were hoping to do was to try and pull it all together and say, you know, there's lots of strands in here and you can't separate them out as you, you'll know from your own work. It's virtually impossible to, you know, where does behavior stop and learning start? You know, right. where does social emotional learning stop? And suddenly we're in English and we're doing drama or something. You know, it, it doesn't stop. They, they're constantly in there. So it was, okay, we can put the whole lot of this together and then gradually piece it and piece the stories from around the world and pull in the kind of real expertise there is around the world and get that sharings to start happening. Awesome. Yeah. And the, the strands that you have, I mean, really, if you are in education, you're looking for something specific, I mean, you're going to find it here. I mean, there's there's definitely a, a array of topics and a, an array of, of, of different kinds of speakers and different kind of thought leaders. Um, you're definitely going to learn something in, in this uh, this summit. Um, but for me, the, the most powerful part was the connection. Connections that obviously the networking that I have with you and the networking I have with other people that I was able to to meet with um, within that conference. So if you're an educator, you, this is something you definitely want do not want to miss. Um, what are the dates for it, and then how can uh, educators find it? So we're March 21 to March 24. So it's four days, solid days. There's 10 stages going on simultaneously. And it's on for about 10 hours a day. But what we do then is we capture the whole lot. So you've got it there for the next year. So you can dip into any of these sessions. Um, literally the next day, everything's on demand. So if you get into there, so it's worldedsummit.com. That's the easiest one. But if you reach out on social media, it's all over the place at the moment because now's the time when everyone gets excited about it. With it being virtual or sorry being digital you don't need to book accommodation you don't so you can just rock up even on the day and it's all there for you and you don't miss anything because that was the whole other thing you know if you've got three stages that you want to be at in the same time and you can see them now you just right. see one a bit later than the other ones so that's it worldedsummit.com all there for you and it just talks you through all the stages all the themes that underpin it um you know who the people are you can see what they are and what they're talking about as well that's all up there now right right, right. And uh, there was something you said earlier that resonated with me because um, I can tell that you're a big music guy and, and you're a big education guy and it's kind of the world's kind of intertwined a little bit. And that's a lot of the stuff that I speak off of. Uh, you know, I have something called Hip Hop 101, how to reach today's hip hop generation. Like it's all music based, um, even with my presentation connecting the dots was coming from the idea of uh, connecting with people through customer service and music and things of that nature and I kind of just blended it and kind of made it <laughs> in, into edu in the educational space so the idea of the concert uh, I'm saying concert <laughs> got me thinking concert uh, the idea of the summit <laughs> it's a concert basically for educators it's, it's, a, it's an awesome space to, to have. 100% I mean it's funny you should mention that I remember when hip-hop first made it across to England and I'm going back to the late 
80s here. Um, Tribe Called Quest, I think, was one of the first ones. And my students were pay playing this for me, and I'm going, wow, this is on the offbeat. This is, like, moving. And it was one of the realisations we had behind the company, because then um, DJs at the time, we used to rock up, and they'd have a, a list of records they were going to play, and they'd play them one after the other. Well, suddenly they ripped up this list and started playing the crowds, because they had this wealth of thing, and the technology was then allowing them to put any tunes on, and you could let the crowd come down, work it up and stuff. And you suddenly realize that's what teaching should be about. It's not about playing a playlist of records because they're on a curriculum. It's about playing the crowd and the crowds of the students in the classroom or across the whole district, if you can, yeah. Listen, I have the chills. I used to be a DJ back in the day and that was one of the things I used to love was the, the crowd control. And then when in my presentation, one of my presentations, I talk about being a master ceremony of your class and, and controlling the, the, the environment of the class. So um, it's definitely, I, I got the chills when you were talking he just brought me back to the, uh, that space of me dj um, yeah we're not trying to take it away and say look there isn't a need for literacy and um math mathematics and all these sorts of things yes they are and they're really important but it's a bit like jazz isn't it yeah once you've got all those what are you going to do with it because yeah. if you cannot transfer that knowledge into other domains it, it just kind of sits like that and it's great if you've ever got to sit another gcs or whatever the exam is and, and another sat but you're not going to sit one of those when you're in your 30s that's sure. gone it's, yeah. what am i going to be able to can i do the calculation now can i use uh, the efficacy of language to kind of get my point across it's, and it's one of the biggest problems i think we had um, I know, I, I, the guy from apple bill uh, professor bill and i can't remember his surname now and he was just talking about the research and he said the problem nowadays is everyone sees stuff they hear stuff and therefore they think they can do it mm -hmm. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's how it comes out is yes. the difference. And this is, you know, kind of we've got to get better and better at this because so often we let it out so poorly. And, yeah. and this is one of the problems where unconscious bias then starts to kind of live itself into mm -hmm. classrooms and into uh, uh, wider experiences. We want people to kind of get more aware of that. So, uh, uh, yeah, endlessly we can go on about this. Absolutely. Actually, this is a perfect transition to our teacher's lounge. I have a segment that we wrap up uh so we can have a little bit of fun and lighten things up. And because you, you're a music guy, one of the questions I actually had um, was one be my last one. I'm going to start it with this one because it's a perfect transition is if let's assume that music was going to end tomorrow, but you had the opportunity to bring three artists with you into this new generation of music. What three artists, any genre, would you bring to rewrite the course of music? Whoa, that's a nice tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely have to bring someone from the opera world because I just absolutely love it. Probably Puccini. I mean, Mozart's a bit of a cheap one because he obviously would get around, but someone like Puccini, there's just kind of the full sense of emotions there. Um, the second one I'd probably bring back would be somewhere around the Sex Pistols or the Clash because they just kind of ripped up. I know they were copying certain times of genre of music, but then they crossed and crossed again. It was kind of a really exciting, vibrant Time, you know that, that was sitting there yeah and then I, I couldn't be without Bob Marley I just love the Jamaican kind of vibe I, whenever I go there I go off piste and end up at a festival <laughs> I, I just love the bone shaking bass that you can get through there but that's yeah. just a beat and everything just loosens up and feels like it's got to flow so yeah there you go nice one good question that's awesome that's awesome my next question um soccer or American football 
Uh, definitely soccer. I find the weird thing I find about American football, four hours and you get about 11 minutes play. <laughs> so the highlights are just fine. I love the highlights, but all a bit in between about selling sodas and stuff like that. I can't kind of get my head around. Whereas soccer, it's kind of, you know, you're, you're running for 90 minutes. Yeah. And those guys don't half run these days. So, yeah. Right, right. I grew up on as well. So. Since you're a world traveler, driving on the left side or the right side? That doesn't make any difference to me, I must admit. <laughs> the funny one is when you drive, when you go from one country to the next and you're watching people coming the wrong way around the roundabouts to you. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, last question. Tea or coffee? Oh, definitely tea, 100%. Green tea, Chinese tea. Okay, okay. Uh, well, Mr. Cox and Stephen Cox, it was a pleasure having you on today. Um, it, we run your ad in the beginning of our podcast, so the educators definitely know about it here that follow us. Um, so again, the World Education Summit, make sure you check that out. Um, March 21st is the first day. You have time to still register. Um, come check me out. Come definitely, you can register right up to the final date. You know, this is, it, it goes on all year, so... Yeah, but it, that's the highlight, getting for that first bit. Be exciting. Awesome. I'll, at this time, I'd like to always give our guests the last word for our educators out there. Any words on the, you know, encouragement or anything that you would like to say? The floor is yours. Right. Well, Dr. Damaso, you're doing the right things here. And I love this concept of empowerment and strength through the individual teachers. It's you who make the next generation. And I always say it's a bit of a selfish mood because this next generation are going to look after us when we're old. So we better keep investing in them. So thank you for everyone who invests in the young people of the world. It's, it's a, a well worth it and a treasurable um, I wake up every morning in education, feel like I'm doing some good, and I'm sure they all do as well. So keep doing that good out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For you educators out there, I know it's a little tough right now. A lot of people are getting burnt out and stressed out. Um, check out our podcast before we talk about mental health. We talk about healing um, educators. So you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. So make sure you are doing that and taking care of your, your yourself uh, mentally, socially, emotionally, all those areas so that you can go into those classrooms and be really 100% so that you can give yourself to these children that definitely need us, um, especially during this time as we, our children are relearning how to interact with each other after being, you know, locked down and quarantined. So that's a, that's a huge piece right now. I know there's a lot of educator leaders, educational leaders out now are dealing with a lot of behaviors from our students that we haven't seen before. So now's the time and we're big about relationship building here at the Empowerment Perspective. So it's time to reconnect and reestablish relationships that may have been broken and understand that these children and their parents are dealing with a lot of heavy things that they're bringing into our classrooms. But the important thing is to take care of yourself first so then we can rebuild these relationships so that we can get down to, to the powerful, impactful learning that we are all capable of doing. Um, again, check us out. Um, uh, we're all over the place, but we will be at the World Education Summit. Um, our specific, uh, specific session is March 23rd. So, but make sure you go to the whole entire thing. And you had, like uh, Mr. Cox said, you can record it and you'll, you'll be able to see it before the whole entire year. Um, there's some powerful information on there. So um, Stephen Clox, again, thank you so much for waking up with us. This, or actually waking up, I'm waking up early. It's a little bit later for you over there, um, definitely. And I, I look forward to, to seeing you in, in, a few, in a couple of weeks here. So thanks again. Fabulous. Take care. Right. And as always, everyone out there, stay empowered.